1: On Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health.
2: All right, it's Wednesday. We're uh, here on Hump Day getting our groove on as we get set for divisional playoff weekend. Bill's Bengals. It's Woo-hoo. one Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as always. And Bill's back on the practice field today, albeit in walkthrough fashion. You get to this point in the season, and Steve can certainly address this better than I can, you're taking taking the load off the legs so they're fresh here in what are we now, week 20? We're in week 20 now.
3: Is that what it is? 17 games a bye, week 20. 20. Yeah, we were were going to get coffee. I saw Roger Saffold, and he goes, here he is, 13th year, week 20. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like an eternity to me. (laughs) And I know he. He was and kind he of was having, in the training. Yeah, room. he was. He was you know getting a massage or something. He was just going in to get some treatment. And he's you're right, man. I, I mean, I, rem, I rem, you just feel. You know, you don't feel like whatever he is, thirty three or thirty four, whatever yeah. he is. It's uh, you feel like me now, sixty. <laughs> you know,
2: and your body's your livelihood, I'm, literally. Right. So,
3: but uh, they, uh, I, we got a chance. The media got a chance to watch a little bit of practice today, and I don't know what did you.
2: Well, it was just a walkthrough. It was closed to the media today. Did you get a
3: sense of what they, uh, of, of the, you know, perkiness in their step? No. no I didn't. didn't. I did. You they did? Look good to me. Yep. Okay. Yep. They look-
2: we were only audibly hearing what was going on out there because practice was closed to the media. Uh, the, it was just a walkthrough, so you're not really going to see much anyway. Right. And Coach McDermott, they when look he addressed. Coach McDermott, through. when he addressed the media said today that everyone on the roster was going to practice in some capacity, including the injured players who, in his estimation, are all improving. So that's good news. We'll find out officially. Now, the team has to give an estimate of what each player's practice participation would be in a real full-speed practice. That will be put on the injury report today, so we'll see what that is when it comes out later this afternoon. Obviously, you have two players who did not play last week jordan phillips with a shoulder injury isaiah mckenzie with a hamstring injury so it'll be probably most interesting to see where those players are listed in terms of participation as well as dane jackson who left last week's game and did not return coach mcdermott did say after the game last week that if dane jackson had to return to the game he could have i just think was playing his rear end off and there's no reason to take him off the field when he's doing that so yeah, we'll have to see what his level of participation would have been in today's practice had it been a full-scale deal. Yeah, and it's interesting
3: because Kair did play well. Got the interception, had a couple of PBUs. Especially along, the fourth down at the end. Yeah, lo- yeah, and along with uh, Taron Johnson and Tredavious White. The corners played really well this last week against the Dolphins. It would be really interesting to un- to know – if that would have changed had Dane stayed completely healthy. Because Kier played is going to play like he's going to play. And well, if Dane Jackson's not 100%, certainly you would think Kyrie's going to get a few more snaps, if not you know, start the game or whatever, BCB2, to start the game, even if they rotate. It'd be really interesting to see what the coaches by virtue of who gets the snaps, what they thought about Kair's play. Because that's where you find really yeah. find out Coach McDermott what was, changes in game to game with the guys playing the way he is. Coach McDermott was asked about Kair today.
2: He was reserved, I would say, in his comments about Kair, And I'll just say this across the board, since Coach McDermott has been here, he is hesitant to heap praise on rookies as a rule. And I think that's because out of respect for veteran players who have put the time in the reps in the years in fawning all over a rookie, I don't think does a coaching staff any favors in the eyes of veterans who have been here and, you know, paid their dues, grinded it out, et cetera. So I I think they are in general pleased with Kyrie Elam's play but I don't think they want to give any, because somebody asked him, has Kair, is he there now? Has he gotten there? And Coach is like, hold on a second. That's kind of weird. Nobody's (laughs) ever really gotten there. question, yeah. Nobody's ever really gotten there. He goes, and if you think you're there, you'll find out pretty quickly that you're not. And we have to remember, too, Coach McDermott's whole philosophy is daily self-improvement. You're never there.
3: Humble and hungry
2: you're never there so you're always trying to improve even if it's an incremental amount the next day the next day and the next day yeah. so it just does, that whole question didn't fit into coach McDermott's philosophy as a coach and the program you built
3: you're always it. striving for more he handled it the exact way um, sir yeah and even Kyrie will tell you that i mean he's well he's got that dna for the, also for the time for the time being yeah he, play, he had a good game and that's about where it starts and finishes. Yeah. Now go out and do it again if you get um, an opportunity. Yeah. Raise your level of preparedness, therefore raising your consistency and therefore raising your, you know, your ability to play well week in, week out. Don't ride a roller coaster of a young player. Certainly he was a high on a high this last week. Um and, you know, against some two pretty good receiver, two really good receivers and a pretty good tight end, pass catching tight end. But, you know, now the the stakes are higher, and the competition's better. I mean, these three guys you're going to face this week, and Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, well, these guys can really go. Yeah. I mean, you you got to play better this week in order to get the same results you got last week, I think.
2: Some interesting uh, other developments. Coach McDermott did reveal – that DeMar Hamlin is back in the facility. And, you know, on a a relatively daily basis, he is not doing a whole heck of a lot at this point. He's here. He's still going through his own recovery. So they're trying to slowly and steadily reacclimate him to his professional setting. He's not sitting in on meetings yet, but they're giving him just a little bit to chew on each day. I think the coaching staff, as well as the organization, realizes that him feeling like he is a part of it
3: again is good for his recovery. Don't you think? Absolutely. It would, yeah, for all of us it would. And I think he's no different. So, yeah, I um, I think they're doing everything they can to make him not that feel like he's a part of it. Right, and I think they did the same thing for Micah when he was out and the same yeah. thing for Von Miller when he was out. I mean, that's the way they do things here. And not only that, it also... It does help the guys who are in the game to have those guys around because it it for if for no other reason, it keeps the family together. You're not missing a guy, and that's big at this time of year, and they can always chime in they've got experiences you don't have, they've got a voice that you don't have, and you got and in games like this, it feels good to have somebody to listen to who does have those. Experiences, So, yeah, it's it's good culture, and it's something I think that pays benefits, whether they be intangible or tangible. It's, it's a great way to be and a great place for the organization to be in, particularly in the case of DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. So we
2: shall uh, see what comes of that. But it, as Coach McDermott put it, it's just a small step at a time in terms of giving DeMar things to focus on. You know, on the days in which he shows up at the facility, as we said, not in team meetings as of yet, but trying to reacclimate himself, um, you know, to being a professional athlete. For those that don't know, he is on injured reserve, so he's not even a remote consideration as far as practicing or doing anything like that. Um, and he got put on IR, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, and understandably so. Don't want to take up a roster spot with somebody that's in the hospital when you can get another player. I mean, I know that might sound a little cold, but it's part of doing business here in the league, unfortunately. Uh, The offensive coordinator for the Bengals, Brian Callahan, spoke to the media in Cincinnati today. Had a couple of interesting comments among them. He said at this point, it's whatever it takes to win. The kid gloves are off. And he was asked a lot about his offensive line, as you might expect, Steve, with the injuries they have up front. What was interesting was Jackson Carmen was the player selected to replace Jonah Williams in the game last Sunday night against Baltimore when Williams went down with a dislocated kneecap. But on the depth chart, it's Deontay Smith who's listed up listed as the backup offensive tackle, and so. Callahan was asked why Jackson Carmen over Deontay Smith and Zay Prince, who's another backup offensive tackle. And Callahan said just felt like his size, strength, and experience would be an advantage for us. Now, where does it go from here? He said that he thought Jackson Carmen did a nice job of taking on the role, said he did a good job of growing up. Now, Carmen is a Clemson product. And he did play offensive tackle at Clemson. So it's not like it's a foreign position to him. Um, could be Clemson on Clemson on Sunday. <laughs> Shaq Lawson against Jackson Carmen. That'd be interesting. So we'll see. That's the anticipation. The anticipation is if Jonah Williams can't go, it will be Jackson Carmen at left tackle, even though he's listed as a backup guard. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, see where it goes. No word yet on practice participation from the Bengals. We anticipate that will be coming in short order here. Um, But they have three linemen who are up in the air, and question marks or two linemen. We already know that Lyle Collins, the right tackles, lost for the season with his injury, suffered a few weeks ago. So Akeem Adenogy is their starting right tackle, as he has been for the last three games left tackle is the question mark as is right guard where their starter alex kappa is week to week with what has been reported to be a high ankle sprain so things to keep an eye on as far as the bengals side of the injury list is concerned so we'll try to pass that along to you if in fact it becomes available before we are off the air today around the nfl we go steve and as we know Teams that are not in the playoffs, there are five teams looking for head coaches. There are also a handful of teams looking for new coordinators. Among them, the New York Jets, who according to reports today are looking at Nathaniel Hackett, the fired head coach of the Denver Broncos. He is interviewing today for the offensive coordinator post with the New York Jets after they parted ways with Mike LaFleur. I am shocked. Around the NFL, incidentally, presented by Kaleida Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. Steve, what do you think of this theory of mine? Interview Nathaniel Hackett, see if he has a chance of luring Aaron Rodgers via trade, that's what the Denver Broncos thought they could do, failed miserably. They settle for Russell Wilson. Are the Jets foolish to think that if they hire Nathaniel Hackett, who worked with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for a few years, can possibly lure Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets?
3: Is that foolhardy? I right. Think Foolhardy is a understatement. I think that's Cray Cray. And why is it Cray Cray, Steve? Tell us. Well, because Nathaniel I can't imagine a point in Nathaniel Hackett's coaching career where his star was less than what it is now. He couldn't Russell Wilson.
2: Well, he wrecked Russell Wilson. He wrecked
3: him. Yeah. I mean Russell and you can say what you want, whether Russell Wilson's washed up or whatever. Russell, at least Russell Wilson's a veteran who can do some things. He was horrible.
2: Not to for Russell n- Wilson. Not for nothing. After Hackett got fired, Russell Wilson actually played a pretty good game in week 18. Yeah,
3: right? So, no. If they're thinking Nate Hackett is the way to get Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> I, I can't think of any other reason why you would interview him right now. He's, a, he's on a list. Maybe. Because he's on a list. He's got some chops. Now that he's been given a chance at a head coaching job, which he could not fulfill for more than 11 months.
1: It's
2: the jetsiest of it's jet the, things you can do. It is so
3: jetsy, and that is, it's such a mistake. <laughs> it's so jetsy. I love it. <laughs> it's so jet. We are back on track to celebrating the jet draft again here in Western New Ugh. York. When they come out and draft whoever, whatever they do, they're going to draft a. Well, they need
2: offensive linemen for sure. They, yeah. In the worst way. And
3: you know what that means they're gonna they're gonna draft another fullback at number one overall. I'm Roger Vick! They're gonna draft they're, gonna, Roger they're gonna draft a fullback. No, they'll uh, yeah. Oh. That is so that is such a bad form of logic. I and I'm not gonna read into anything, and I haven't heard what they were thinking and their their logic behind interviewing Nate Hackett. But, man, I can't imagine a guy who's less attractive at this point of his coaching. Now, Nate's had some – he's got some chops. He's been around the league. Like you say, coached – he's been around. Guys know him. He's got a name. And, his you know, his dad was also a, a guy who, you know, coached in the league a long time. So, he's you know, he's got that in his DNA. But I'm telling you what, no way. Speaking of no way, Steve. I mean, what – they should get Frank Reich before they get Nate Hackett. Speaking of no way, Dolphins passing
2: game coordinator slash quarterbacks coach Daryl Bevel has told the Jets and commanders no thanks on the O.C. job. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That, according to NFL Network's Tom Pellicero. Yeah, um,
3: I'm I'm good over here. I have said it. I'm good over here. <laughs> I'm good over here down the ranks as opposed to going to the top of your – I am going to stay I you quarterbacks, right now, Coach. I, we said – we had this conversation of weeks and months ago, at least maybe during the first part of the season when the, when the commanders were relevant, at, you know, before they got started. I think people outside the National Football League would be surprised, if not shocked, at the amount of jobs that are no thank you'd. By head coaching candidates and other candidates around the National yeah. Football League, we're just talking about coordinator for right. the Commanders
2: and the Jets, right. and Bevel's like, "I'm good," right? And I think for two reasons. For the Jets, it's what's your plan at quarterback? I don't want to be right. the I don't want to be the guy holding the bag on that, right? Number one, for the Commanders, it's aren't you guys for sale? Who's to say that that whole coaching staff doesn't get bounced when a new owner comes in? Like, There's that. I don't know if you can rule that out. You can't. There's uncertainty there. And it's Certainly. uncomfortable uncertainty for perspective. coaches. And it
3: could be something else, too. It could be a family thing where he wants to stay in South sure. Beach. He might say, listen, I Mike McDaniel, I'm learning some stuff from this guy. I love his system. He's maximized a quarterback I didn't think we could get that out of. I'm going to stay here and learn. I'm, this is a better spot for me than going and trying – trying to scrape through the ashes of two different franchises and come out with you know something <laughs>
1: scrape through the ashes <laughs>
3: oh my god Steve you're a poet and you don't even know right him. I mean that he's he's because listen I don't, and I don't know how I, I have no idea.
0: okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it
1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Idea how old how old he is. He may know he's got decades ahead of him and and the opportunities are as important as the title. Yeah. So good on him and I and I'll say it again, I think people would be shocked at the amount of jobs that are that are yeah. silently passed upon. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport
2: is reporting that the Falcons are interviewing a long respected defensive coordinator and former Broncos head coach Vic Fangio for their vacant defensive coordinator job. Uh, he was a defensive consultant with the Eagles last season. So that would be a good get for head coach Arthur Smith down in Atlanta. You can get Vic Fangio for your defensive coordinator job. Uh, we also have seen that the Patriots have requested permission from the Minnesota Vikings to interview wide receivers coach Keenan McCardell for their offensive coordinator position. Um, He's on a list of candidates, along with Bill O'Brien. There is a member of the Patriots staff, Nick Cayley, who is also a candidate for the OC position in New England for a promotion. We'll see where that goes. There's it's the coaching carousel, Steve. You know how this goes. Uh, Frank Reich was mentioned as a possible candidate for the Chargers OC job, mm-hmm. which would be a reunion of sorts right. because he has coached there previously in that role, as a matter that's of a fact. Um, I've seen his name circulating in other
3: places, Carol- too. He enrolled for the head coaching job at Carolina. Carolina that's the one I saw. And, and he has he has history there as a former yes, player. That's right. He threw the first touchdown in franchise history. Um yeah so that some of these guys are all getting looks and there are there's a lot of old names that, i mean Jim Haslett's name has been thrown around in this and wow um not in not in so not so much in the carolina job but in other jobs around he's had he's been you know so one coordinator post has been filled the browns hired defensive
2: coordinator jim schwartz former bills d c he's been hired in Cleveland to be there. New defensive coordinator, he replaces the, uh, fired Joe Woods. So that position has been filled and more will be filled in the coming days. I thought the most interesting one, Steve was Ben Johnson, the red hot offensive coordinator for the lions. He is going back to the lions. He has decided not to take or keep himself in the running for any head coaching positions at this point in time. And I think that's a good move for him. Um, He's shown he can do a lot with that offense. They had a couple more pieces. Look out. I mean, he's really made Jared Goff look like a solid, consistent quarterback this season. And that was a team that was scoring points this year. I mean, they gave the Bills all they could handle on Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people who had – because I think Sean McVay gave up on Goff in L.A., a lot of people thought, now he's, you know, he's done. He's not good enough. Yeah. Quite frankly, there are other coaches out there who approach it from a different angle, can get more out of the guy, and and do well with him. Um, now, certainly, Dan Campbell, you can say what you want about Dan Campbell and the Lions. They didn't get to the playoffs at all. They didn't get to the playoffs. And the quarterback is always a big reason why. So maybe Sean McVay can still say, hey, I'm right, and they're wrong. But certainly Dan Campbell and his staff see enough in Jared Goff to – They
2: were 9-8 this year. Yeah,
3: to to get it done. And, you know, Matt Stafford is better than Jared Goff, no question. So, if you're going to trade, do it. I don't know if he's worth two ones and a two for Jared Goff, much more than Jared Goff, but that's what they gave up to him for him. So – Yeah, it's really interesting to see what some coaches can get out of players and what some coaches cannot, hence Brian Dayball in New York Giants this year. Hence Daniel um, Jones looked like a world beater. Mike McDaniel with Tua. Yep. Um, You know, there's coaches out there who are good enough at the human side of the game to give guys an opportunity to thrive in a different environment. Sean McDermott, I mean, point in case, when he showed up, how things changed in this building. Um, and players thrive. And certainly, they're all. Most of the, I think, maybe every single player in the building now is a Sean McDermott player. I think they are, right?
2: Well, Shaq was here before he arrived. Well, then he left and has since come technically back. Technically, that got to be that's well, a Sean McDermott. Guy and Reed know. Ferguson. Those, I think, go. those are the only two guys. So, yeah,
3: that. Um, but he took the, that predate McDermott. It's like the old Bum Phillips saying. And for those who don't know Bum Phillips, he coached the Houston Oilers with Earl Campbell back in the early '80s and late '70s. Late '70s. And he said that he said this about Don Shula. At that time, he said he can take his he can take uns and beat urins, and he can take urins and beat hisins. <laughs> He's a really good coach. Yeah. So, uh, some guys are gifted like that. Some guys are gifted like that, and they can they just get more out of it. And Sean yeah. McDermott certainly has is one of those guys. Day balling guys around the league.
2: One player personnel note from around the NFL: The Cowboys are sticking. With kicker Brett Maher, they expect him to rebound against the 49ers. For those who don't know or didn't see Monday night's wild card playoff game between the Cowboys and the Bucks, he missed four extra points in the win by the Cowboys. At least he picked a good game to do it, whereas extra points those didn't mean them. a whole lot in a game that the Cowboys Did ultimately you? won, 31 to 14.
3: I'm gonna ask you this. Did you see the one that showed on the sidelines, and maybe it'll show up in our highlights that we're showing right here of Dak Prescott getting mad at him when it went? Was he dunking.
2: mad at that
3: specifically, or was yes. that
2: just a camera catching no, him at a that, bad time no, and I the think
3: context? Was, it was about the kicker. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I I find that troubling about Dak. Certainly, it's the heat of the game and all that. Okay, but it's a good thing Dak's teammates don't treat him like that when he pulls stunt. I mean, he didn't miss field, but yeah. when you come out and throw a bonehead throw or do the stuff that looked the way Dak looked in week 18. You think anybody was saying that about him on the sidelines? They were catching guys. I'm sure somebody was muttering under their breath. Son of a nutcracker. I mean, come on. And I don't know why. Stop throwing picks. I don't know. I didn't know that was going to be no good. I thought that would, I guess it has to go over the top and not touch it. Right. If it goes over the top, if that kick would have been six inches higher, it would have been good. Yeah. I, yeah, I I always hesitate
2: when I see a player with a compromising reaction right after a bad play by a teammate on the field. Like, is that really in, re, in direct response to what happened on the field or is it something else going on on the sidelines? I never know the context, and I feel like that's sometimes misleading. Kind of the way reality television cleverly edits reactions yeah. and stuff. I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't the NFL it. is reality. This is the only reality TV I watch. That's though. right. But I, I always wonder, with all the things that go on on an NFL sideline, is it in relation Certainly. to something else or something on
3: the field? Certainly it can be that way. I try to give those guys benefit of the doubt, but maybe it was. But I, I just thought it was troubling. I mean, how? I mean, I get it. He's coming off the field, and they, they've scored three straight times, and the, the kicker's blown three extra points um, and on his way to blowing four. Yeah. He did get one at the end. Did he? Yeah, he hit his fifth. He hit the fifth one. Just let me say wow. <laughs> well I said, Hey, he's he started a new streak. Brett Maher, and I'll you? say this: Brett Maher has been absolute money for the Cowboys he had this a year. Great season, Oh, really great season. I mean, there's like no doubt they're bringing that guy. He's great, man. Like, he's our. I guy. think that's the only thing he's going to be like Raphael Septien. I mean, that's one the only of those guys. Wow, blast years. from the past, right? Raoul so Septien, those guys that barefooter, they kick forever, you know, and. He was going to be – he could have had a chance to be one of those guys for the Cowboys, and I don't know. Maybe.
2: Well, I, I would say that his body of work this season is probably the only thing that got him another week kicking in the playoffs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look, his Man. body of work has far out just what happened in this game this past week. Is it troubling? Absolutely. But we're going to give him a chance to rebound. Now, if he's in practice on Friday and he's spraying stuff all over the yard in practice <laughs> –
3: yeah, this is one of those there, things where – There might listen, be a late phone call. Man. Listen, Brett, I know you had a tough game. Sorry, right, though. We're going to stick with you. You're our guy. I know that there's three other kickers now at the other end of the <laughs> field. I'm, don't worry. You're <laughs> oh our gosh. guy. You're our guy. That is how cutthroat the NFL is. It really is. You, listen, you've oh, got a Jerry that said not for long? You've got to have a list of well, they players, do. That's of what, kickers right here that's like, hey – That's what pro <laughs> and, personnel departments
2: and, exist for.
3: If not Sunday night, Monday morning, the phone is ringing saying, "Hey, how's your guy doing? Is he in shape?" Oh, there's agents calling. The, absolutely, our guys. With in, kickers my guys that are in out of shape. Work.
2: My guys in shape, and he doesn't miss extra points. You know what well, I mean? They'll like, say that. They'll, they'll sell it. They however, say they say that need
3: anyway. To. But my guys in shape. He's ready. And, and you should. Yeah, my my guy's the only guy. He's got the strongest <laughs> leg on the market right now. That <laughs> He's kind of thing. The drug- strongest. <laughs> I love it. It's I true. love
2: the sell jobs. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. I, you know, can you imagine the kind of book a pro personnel director could write just on the phone calls alone they get from agents trying to, yeah. you know, convince them, hey, give my guy a tryout. You're going to want him. You're going to look good if you sign my fella. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. I, they could write a book easily right. with the sell jobs they get. Uh, topic of discussion today, as we flip to Bills Bengals, what's your biggest storyline for Sunday's game against the Bengals, and tell us why. 803 eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. The number to get on board, or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at one Bills Live. We will be bringing you post practice commentary from the players, including Josh Allen, and I believe we will begin doing that when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Bills Bengals is the soup du jour, and it will be all week, asking you what is your biggest storyline for Sunday's game against the Bengals and tell us why. You can get on board at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. But we turn now to some post-practice comments from the players and we open with Josh Allen, who just answered some questions from the media. Whatever emotional residue there might be in facing that team three weeks after what happened, um, does it help the emotional release that you guys had and the bonding that you guys had to to prepare for this game? And how much might there still be something left over as you take the field uh, from three weeks ago?
4: Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's... Honestly, too much left over. Um, Obviously, with guys being able to see a little bit of Demar, um, you know, I know Coach said he's been in the building. So guys being able to see him, talk with him, I think that kind of alleviates most of that. Um, Not saying that there's going to be none. You know, I can't speak for everybody on the team, Um, but again, I think we're we're just extremely focused right now and just having a good week of preparation and you know trying to go out there on Sunday and execute.
3: Now I know you're real tight with him. He's had, he's gone through a lot this season personally as well. Um, just what has it meant for this offense to have him kind of rolling now in, into the playoffs.
4: Yeah, I mean he's been he's been great for us. Um, you know, the more that we can get him the ball, you know, um, seems like you know the better that we do. And again, he's such a, he he really is. He's so athletic. He's so big. He's so fast. Um, he's tough for smaller guys, and he's you know quicker than some of the big guys that guard him. So. You know, just trying to get, you know, everybody involved in this offense. And I think when, when we're spraying it around um, and getting everybody involved, I think we become very balanced, um, and I think that's a sign of a good team.
3: Josh, I know that ball security is something you constantly focus on, right? But I asked Sean this. You know, after a game like Sunday's where it becomes more of an issue, um, he says he trusts you, you know, the players in general, to kind of deal with that, but he doesn't feel he necessarily has to address it. What's your process, and how do you – of focus on coming off a game like that um deal with protecting the football
4: that yeah, and that play. yeah again i think it's uh short memory and just trying to move on be the best quarterback that i can be for the bills um obviously wanting to make good decisions and you know i think you know out of the whole game i think i made one bad decision it was the the deep ball to to john and um you know obviously we want to we want to end the ball or in every possession with the ball in our hands whether it's a touchdown. Um, you know, punting it away or, or kicking a field goal. And that's, that's our mindset that will never change. And, you know, there is a, a thin line between being aggressive and, and um, being a little bit reckless. So, again, just, you know, getting back on the right side of that line and uh, being being smart, but being not being conservative.
1: What do you make of their defense? Was there much that you took from that tiny bit playing against them that you're looking to this time? Or just kind of like, what are you seeing getting ready for them for this go around?
4: Yeah, I mean, we only had, um, you know, one drive against them, so it's kinda hard to take anything away from that. And um, you know, they played the the same team twice since we've played them and um there's not much carryover in terms of what our, our offense does and their offense does. So it's kinda uh, you know original game plan thought and um again making adjustments on the fly. You know, they've uh, they've played certain teams certain ways and um again they can come out and play us completely different than what the first drive, you know, said that they were gonna play us. So Again, it's just being being smart, um, you know, decision-wise, trying to find the open guy, um, getting the run game involved, and uh, like I said, just trying to be a balanced offense against this team. You know, they're they're high motor. Um, they got uh, you know their other ADN back, and they're making a lot of plays right now. Um, you know, Logan Wilson had an unbelievable play on the goal line, and uh, you know he's he's a heck of a player. And you know they're playing really inspired football right now. They've won I think eight eight or nine straight, and. Um, you know, it's a team that's, it's going to be tough to beat. You know, they're coming into our house and they're, they're playing with a lot of confidence. Um, you know, and we got to be ready for whatever they can throw at us. Josh, you talk
1: about, you know, the fine line between being reckless and being aggressive. How do you kind of process that and balance that? Because I would imagine you can't overthink stuff. Is it more just trusting your instincts or what kind of goes like
4: Yeah, I think it's very instinctual. I think it's also, um, very dictated on the flow of the game. Um, Sometimes, down in distance, um, but again, just understanding what type of what type of game it is and uh, last week, maybe getting too aggressive and just understanding you know with the lead, you know just forcing longer drives instead of helping helping you know their team get back in it and that 's what I really did and um, again, I, I credit our defense for stepping up and uh, guys making some plays on the offensive side of the ball, but again we 're not going to get caught up in, in a couple of bad plays that we had last week, and we 're going to focus on the good and we gonna learn from it, and uh, like I said, our attention's all on Cincinnati. Come Sunday at three o'clock.
1: How's your ankle feeling? Like? Did that affect anything the last couple games?
4: No, I mean it, it feels good. It's fine. Um, doesn't really affect. Doesn't affect much. When you
1: talk about maybe getting too aggressive. Is it? Is there someone that can like reach you in that moment, or do you talk about it to yourself internally, or how does that work? Yeah, I think
4: it's uh, it's it's internal. You can have the the offensive coordinator say something in the headset, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's the man in the arena. It's uh, you know. The guy in the helmet that's got to make the decision, and um, again, I, I don't want to put our team in bad situations, and um, you know, I just want to help this team win football games, and that's that's what I'm I'm paid to do is you know score touchdowns for this offense and and help us win games.
2: Playoff game Davis seems to be a real thing. Um, what, what do you see in the postseason with that This kind of changes a little bit.
4: You know, I, I know everybody wants to make it a deal. He's the same guy. He really is, and I know um, this year hasn't been the best year that he could have had but i mean you still look at the stats and the numbers that he's put up this year um you know it was a it was a very very solid year and i freaking love the guy to death he's you know one of the the most liked guys in the locker room um he works extremely hard you look at his again just his work ethic not just in season um but off season you know how much work he puts into it he really cares about this game he cares about his teammates uh he doesn't care who gets the recognition. Uh, he's the last guy in here. He's on the jugs right now by himself, so um, speaks a lot to who he is. He just wants to be the best that he can be. Does anything change during a playoff week? I you know everybody's always like, hey, you gotta kinda keep the same momentum, the same rhythm or whatever. But is there a benefit to changing, approaching it a different way? Um I-, I can't say that it does. Again we wanna we wanna keep the same the vibe, the same vibe, same mindset that we've had and I think the one thing that changes around here is just instead of being Playoff caliber. We got to be championship caliber, and I think Coach McDermott does a good job of messaging that to the guys. Where everything you do, um, hopefully, it would be towards winning a world championship. Everything on and off the field, in the treatment room, uh, in the training room, um, yeah, just making sure that we're, we're physically and mentally ready to go as possible. Because again, it's win or go home. How, how much clients? do you think? How much do you think that? I'm not saying
2: you reflect that but the experiences that this team has had, the experiences that you've had in the AFC championship game, in the division final, in what's gone on this year, how much do you think that has better prepared you and this team for this test this weekend?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it it gives you a a more sturdy foundation. You know, the the more struggle, the more adversity that you can see over a course of a year. um, It just makes you that much stronger. Again, you've You've been in some. We've been in some really weird situations this year that not a lot of teams maybe have ever gone through. Um, so again, just being able to have that under our belt, understand those emotions and those situations, and just try to use it to our benefit. And again, I think the lot the guys that we have in this locker room, the, the veteran leadership that we have, you know, even having Von Miller in the locker room, just being able to talk with guys like that's that's so huge uh, for what it does to our 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 psyche um, and our mental approach to the game. So. Yeah, I think that that can definitely benefit you if you use it the right way. Go back to the
0: Browns game. Sorry, so you go back to the Browns game. You guys had five straight games. I think it was like three total turnovers in those five games. Is there anything when you're going that good as a team that you can kind of take from when things are that good, or not turning the ball over, when you're trying to maybe get out of the rut?
4: Um, potentially. Again, it just making decisions. Sometimes tip picks are going to happen, um, and that's just that's just a, the gist of it. Like. You can't just try to eliminate every single turnover and, and play scared. Like you still have to be, uh, you know, the way that we play. We're, we're aggressive. We want to score touchdowns, and um, you know, that's that's the gist of it, to be honest. And again, we don't we don't want to play scared at, at the end of the day. Do you
3: appreciate? So, I just I probably should have asked Sean this, and I didn't about today, like a walkthrough as opposed to a full practice. Did, is that beneficial to you? I, I mean, is, is there wear and tear? Like like rest. A chance to maybe focus in a different way? Is that beneficial looking
4: for us? I think it 's beneficial to, to really everybody on this team um, you know it 's been a long it 's been a long season and as you get later in, into the playoffs, um, you know your body can only sustain so much so for Sean to you know, come out and let us have a walk through and again making sure that our guys are, are being mentally there and, and paying attention to the looks that we 're getting, uh, the plays that we 're running. Um, and I think it's, it's like I said, it's a benefit to have the guys in the locker room that we do to be able to come out and do this and, and focus and get the things done that we need to get done. Um, so yeah, I think it is it is beneficial for us.
3: I know you've said DeMar's been around and talking to guys and stuff. Have you personally gotten to interact with him much? And if so, what, is, what has that been like?
4: Yeah, just uh, you know, a few hugs here and there. Everybody's chomping at the bit to, to talk to him and don't want to overload him with too much uh, right now, but uh, it's it's been good to see him, um, you know, a smile on his face, and uh, you know, guys love having him back in the building. Do you approach the, your game day more? outfit any differently when you're going <laughs> against Joe Burrow? No, no, he's he, he he's going to win that battle uh, ten times out of ten. Um, I don't really, I don't dress to impress uh, on game day. I just kind of walk in the closet and pick whatever I see first. So uh, maybe maybe someday down the road. You've uh, said it since training camp how much trust you have in Khalil. He has the drop, but then he makes the really good play at the end of the game. Is there an added dimension he brings to the offense? Is there something that he brings when he's out there that other people might not? Um, I mean, again, he he knows all the positions. Um, I think he's faster than what people give him credit for. You know, he's a he's a bigger body. Um, I think he's fairly shifty too. And again, he's just kind of a, a mixture. of of what you'd want in the slot. So, again, the more that we can get him involved and get going, and obviously he's still young, but the more that he can learn from um, each and every situation that he's out there and learn from the guys in front of him, I think it's going to benefit him down the road.
2: So that's Josh Allen addressing the media after practice today. Among his more interesting comments, a lot of questions, as you might expect, on balancing being aggressive with being judicial in his decisions with the football. And he said you never want to play scared, but he also wants to put his team in the best position to succeed. So that will be a balance that he undertakes. Had an interesting comment on Khalil Shakir, believing that if they get him more involved, he will succeed in providing them more in the passing game. And he also feels that Joe Burrow has him beat in one category,
3: drip game. Joe is a uh, pretty fashion forward, Steve, in case you didn't know. I did know that. I've seen some of the outfits he wears game day. I know I couldn't pull most of them off Right? if I tried them. I but don't know that they look of, good on him, I will say. He does
2: make them work. I'll g- yeah, he does. I'll give it to him. Uh, Josh said I basically just pull whatever I see first in my closet and just throw that on. <laughs> um, Josh is kind of like a t-shirt and sweats guy.
4: You know what I mean? He's a, I mean, he's most a jock. Most of these, most he's of these a jock. guys are until
2: game yeah. day. You know. We are going to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll dive into Bills Bengals a little bit more. Some interesting numbers to pass along to you concerning Cincinnati, which, by the way, is now on a nine. Game winning streak. The Bills have won eight straight, two streaking teams. We'll discuss some other numbers when we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. It was such a hit last week. The Bills are bringing it back. If you don't have tickets yet to Sunday's playoff game against the Bengals, enter for a chance for tickets and get a unique tailgate experience for you and five friends in Highmark Stadium's Igloo Village. Brought to you by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York. Three winners. Will each win six tickets plus a heated furnished igloo to tailgate in. You can enter by visiting buffalobills.com forward slash igloo sweeps. Good luck. I'll save you a lot of stuff you got to pack for your tailgate. You got a fully furnished oh, yeah. igloo. I'm you don't have to throw any lawn chairs or anything in the back.
3: It's like going camping for a week to go to a Bills tailgate. Can feel that way. You're right.
2: Depending on how big an operation you're setting up.
3: Yeah. Man, oh man, some of the, yeah, and everybody's got their own little way of doing it, but having it, doing it, going to this ig- igloo thing, here's, here's, a, here's what it's like, here's what it's like. No, I can't wait you Now this. You get these guys, work out every day, work out every day, work out every day, and do that, and then they take one day off, and it's like, wow, is this nice. That's what it's like doing the igloo tailgate thing. You tailgate, and you bring the tables, the chairs, the coolers, the tent, the pop-up, the weights for the pop-up, the tarps, the blankets, the yeah everything, everything. The food, the drinks. You got every week. It's like oh, all right, here we go again. There's the coolers, the blankets, the tailgates, the tables. Yeah. And every week, then the next the next week, you just like pull in, get out, and walk over, and it's like presto changeo, you're already there. It's like that's pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> pretty nice. Pretty good. Pretty good. I saw
2: this on Twitter, Steve, earlier today. The television ratings for the wild card game between the Bills and the Dolphins. Buffalo drew a 47.4 <laughs> local rating for the wild card game, mm-hmm. on CBS, which led all markets. Chiefs fans were apparently pretty interested because Kansas City was the number two television market for that game at a 28.2 rating, followed by Cincinnati, West Palm Beach, and New Orleans in the top five. Fort Myers slash Naples was the number six viewing market. Steve? It's all making sense. Miami, Fort Lauderdale was not in the top ten. Seriously?
3: Seriously? Miami? For the Bills-Dolphins
2: game. Not in the top ten. What are they doing down there?
3: Passionate fan base.
2: <laughs> passionate Can't com- live without their passionate, team. Passionate,
3: committed fan base. Well, there you go. Wow, that's that surprises me. So 47-4 say. local rating.
2: It's like almost half the televisions in what Western was, New York were watching the game.
3: What was the... Um, Share. Did they say what the share was? I don't. The share, that. let for those me 47.4 rating means there's 47.4% of the televisions in the market are tuned in, and the share, no, oh, that's not right. It might be opposite. The share is how many TV sets were actually on, right? Yeah, I don't have that. <clears throat> the sh- yeah, I'll bet that share was massive. Might be even bigger this week. Yeah, well, I think this game. In it, Buffalo NC. Well, they're all, f- They're every game. As we saw over the weekend, every game is a standalone, right? There are only four games this weekend. Afternoon and evening on both days, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. So all four games are going to be watched by everybody or available to be watched by everybody in the country. So you're going to get, what are we going to get? 30 million people watching the Bills game. Bills Bengals. Yeah. Particularly with the fact that the 20 days ago, we had the incident with DeMar. 30 million people, minimum. Mm. Minimum. And that's like, it, back in the day, that's like Super Bowl numbers. The Super Bowl now is you'll get 100 million. You'll get anywhere between 90 and 110 million people watching a Super Bowl. This one's got to be and maybe half that. Right? For this, For Joe and Josh... How do you miss that if you're an American? <laughs> <laughs> you're an american How do you miss this? If you, <laughs> that's so bad. I yeah, they're gonna. It's gonna be a massive number. Three o'clock, and and here for this. For those of you who don't know, you always say, "Wow, they didn't get a, a prime time game." No, this is prime. The late afternoon on Sunday afternoon, notoriously, is the, um, the massive time slot for NFL games. The 4 o'clock game on Sunday afternoon is the one that busts the bank yeah. with viewership. So they gave Bills Bengals that slot. It is, and that is the that is the time slot of the entire weekend that is the most coveted by television. That slot. And those two teams are there not by accident. That's right. And, yeah, this matchup is... Jagundo <laughs> Jagundamundo So big It's awesome It's a biggin <laughs> It's um, a one. <laughs> <laughs> well it is We're not lying here uh, Yeah It's uh, gonna be so I, I, I'm getting a little excited Thinking about it now Because we have You know We've been wrapping up The dolphins and stuff And you know, today's kind of Alright here we go You know it's practice day We're thinking about the game We're kind of turning Our focus on it I'm st- like Here we go An hour in we're I'm like
2: Whoo-hoo. Yeah Yeah You're getting loose
3: I'm, Yeah we,
2: uh, we are going to take a break here, but when we return for hour number two, we will have some more post-practice comments from Bills players, including Dion Dawkins and Mitch Morse, among others. Those are coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.